Oh, yeah, my name's Zach. I'm class president. Just, you know, another scumbag popular kid with a great grade point average. And I'm in all these colleges and I'm actually a really clean cut kid that's really nice. Anyways, I'm going to trick you now. Mm -hmm. Here I go. Yep. And welcome back to She's All That Minute. The podcast we analyze the 1999 examination of popularity in high school. She's All That, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And minute 50 begins with Lainey saying, I'd never let them see me cry. I.e. the thing that she promised herself she would never do. Yeah. And it goes through Lainey contemplating how to respond to Zach when he talks about the perils of opening up to people. I put... She promised to never let them see her cry, which is why she always puts up such a hard and annoyed front. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm recalling you said you had no notes for today, correct? I have no notes for today. Cool. All right, we'll go through my four notes, and then then we'll talk about um, the overarching thing that I was thinking about. Um, yes. Zach says, it's okay, and Lainey says, no, it's not okay. And I wrote, I hate being in Zach's position here, because, like, what do you say? Like... You can't say it's, I mean, what he's saying is it'll be okay or right. please I'm stop crying. I don't know how to be around emotion or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's like the, the nightmare scenario. It's the, it's the, I'm sorry why you didn't do anything sort of deal where it's like, okay, but those are the words I'm supposed to say. Right. I don't know. So yeah. then I said, Zach is also now seeing how shitty this bet thing is. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Lainey's, uh, let me look it up here, uh, actual person. And yep. <laughs> and then... Sure is. <laughs> uh, sometimes when you open up to people, you let the bad in with the good, that's all, is what he says. Ugh. Which is kind of, I mean, I guess true, but kind of a weird time to bring that up. Well, like, it has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Like, who has she opened up to? Him a little bit. Right. Is he talking about himself, though? I I think he's talking about, like, not closing off the world at large. But, like, he's the one who's trying to get her to open up to him. And she shouldn't have to take Taylor with <laughs> Zach. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to open up to me. And there are shitty parts of, of that having to be a part of it. So... You should do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the thing is, if Taylor wasn't at that party, Lainey probably would have ended up having a pretty good time. I mean, even Misty with, aside. Even with Misty. Yeah. yeah, but I think that Lainey came out on top there. I agree with that. I agree with that. And, like, yeah, I guess I don't understand what Zach's point is. I know that the movie is trying to make a point about not closing yourself off, you know, don't put up a wall and refuse to let anyone in. You know, you you have to be a human being who interacts with other people, I guess. I feel like that's what the movie is trying to go for. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is Zach saying, hey, if, we, if you want to be friends with me, 
we have to deal with my other friends and right. my ex-girlfriend. To which I repeat the same thing I said at the time that he actually said that to her. She doesn't want to be friends with you. All right. You're yeah. the reason. You're forcing her into this. Right. You take the good. You take the bad. You take them both. And there you have the Zacks of life. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much what he's saying. And that's a really shitty take on friendship. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But... She didn't ask for any of this. He is exactly. forcing all of this on her. Correct. She wasn't. She didn't approach him. She didn't. There wasn't a meet cute even. Like. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Which gets into sort of what I was thinking about. We are, this is minute 50. Mm-hmm. We're about maybe two thirds, halfway to two thirds of the way through the movie. I forget how long it is. I forget too, but somewhere in there. I'm not connecting with this movie as much as I thought I would. Same. And I think I have a theory about why. Okay. And also why we keep bringing up 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay. I think that the story of Pygmalion is inherently classist Mm -hmm. in a way that should translate to high school, but not without... Because Henry Higgins and... um, I I know that there was the play that was... Eliza Doolittle? Well, Eliza Doolittle, but like the guy that carved Pygmalion... Oh, oh, yeah, I remember. They're assholes, and they're friends that make the better assholes. But what what you're trying to do in this movie is be like, no, 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 no. They're not. Or he's not. Zach's not. Without him doing any work. Right. And there's a... And and I think that My Fair Lady is interesting because there's a money thing. Mm -hmm. Where he has money and she doesn't. And, I mean, trading places is the same thing. It's condescending. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I'm not connecting with is that. And I think Shakespeare is a lot easier to connect with because it's more universal themes. Yeah. Of, like, love and um, pain and spite in sort of a larger sense where it doesn't entirely matter who is what in terms of caste system. Right. I can't think of a specific example, but like, it's never like, oh, Romeo, he's a poor kid. Right. Or Hamlet, ugh, he has red hair. Like, it's like bigger than that. So, yeah, I, I think that's one thing. And then I was thinking about Can't Hardly Wait. And I think the other thing that she's all that is missing is that because it's based on Pygmalion, it removes the writers and directors from the experience. So they're already removed because I'm imagining they're 30 to 40 year old people. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Ken Hardly Wait is that the writers slash directors, um, Deborah and Harry, ha- Harry, right? Right. I feel like that they were drawing on personal experience. Right. For a lot of that. And so I think that allowed them to connect better with the story they were telling. Right. I think ensemble-wise, maybe Can't Hardly Wait comes out a little bit stronger out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe Rachel Lee Cook is a stronger 
Um, sh- chanteuse? Is that a thing? A stronger... Um, what, what word am I looking for? Uh, ingenue? Fr- ingenue. Yeah, yeah. Then Jennifer like, Love Hewitt. like, chanteuse is a word, but I'm pretty sure that means female singer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Not that. Not that. And considering that Jennifer Love Hewitt did put out a couple of albums, and I've never heard Rachel Lee Cook sing... I'm going to say that Rachel Lee Cook might not be the stronger Shantas. Probably not. Um, but John Genou, I think that probably Rachel Lee Cook is perhaps the more nuanced actress. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think the ensemble is maybe stronger and can't hardly wait. Yes. Well, it's also more of an ensemble. It's more of an ensemble. It's more um, uh, modular, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, but I think that I think that what that what the she's all that the director and perhaps the writers being removed from that age is that it highlights how I feel removed from that age. Right. And it's also not relatable in a way that I was not a rich California popular kid. Mm -hmm. And that feels pertinent here where like in 10 things I had about you or can't hardly wait or, um, Crossroads, there are people to relate to mm-hmm. in a bunch of different walks of life, and there's not that here. It's rich and poor. Yeah. Or popular and not popular. Right. And they're leaning on that really heavily, and I think that it's making me not connect with it very well. Yeah. Well, you also hit the nail on the head a couple minutes ago when you said that Zach isn't having to do any work. Yeah. Because the thing is, he... We are supposed to see Zach as this carefree, popular kid who also is having to make a really tough decision about which of the many very good colleges he's gotten into he should attend. Right. So, like, woe is Zach. Poor Zach. We see Zach doing this hacky sack thing on stage where he you realize that he does have some vulnerabilities. He's worried about disappointing people. Right. But that's not doing work or growth or anything like that. The only growth that we see from Zach as a character is he grows from seeing Lainey as the weird girl. Right. To seeing that Lainey is an actual human being. Right. Right. And that's not, and he doesn't do that by doing any work. The, he doesn't, he doesn't have to put in any effort to see that. Lainey is the one doing all of the work. Lainey is the one who is hanging out with his exhausting friends. Lainey is the one who is letting his sister put makeup on her and cut her hair. Lainey is the one learning how to walk in high heels. Lainey is the one getting a rum and coke dumped down her boobs. Right. The only thing that Zach has had to do is show up to some places with, quote, the freak. Right. And he's only being seen by the only people who care that he's with, quote, the freak are his friends who know why he's there with her. He's not and having to do anything except exist. She's perfectly charming also. Yeah. So she's not being standoffish or anything like it's literally, oh, my God, this is going to be so embarrassing. And then it's not. And everyone, including <laughs> Zach, is surprised and delighted that Lainey is right. an actual human person. Right. Who's, like, funny and, like, entertaining to be around. And go figure. 
Right. She has some like depth and layers and she's more than just the weird art girl. Right. And then compare. So compare her to Kat in 10 Things right. About You. Sure. Kat is pissed off at the world and we learn why. Right. Specifically. Not just this is my lot in life. Mm-hmm. I'm a modern day flower seller and life sucks if you don't have money. Right. She's pissed off for a specific reason. Patrick immediately looks at her as a human, sees immediately that she is smart. Mm-hmm. And does he begin to sort of find manipulative ways to ingratiate himself to her? Sure. But he's the one doing the work. Exactly. He's driving to the bookstore. He's doing research. He's buying tickets, concert tickets and whatever. Right. Beyond even the fact that he's getting paid. Right. He is trying to figure out what can he do to make her want to spend time with him. Where right. Zach is trying to figure out what can he do or what can, what should he force Lainey to do right. to, to make her spend time. He doesn't care if she wants to spend time with him. Right. He just cares that she does spend time with him. <sighs> Honestly, this is we've said this in other movies, both that we've done podcasts about and also just that we've watched. The casting mm. made this movie work as well as it did. Freddie Prince Jr. is so charming and so, like, real person. Like, he's a really good-looking dude, but he's not, like, Paul Walker Greek god. Exactly, exactly. Like, you you can picture Freddie Prince Jr. at the grocery store. Yeah. And you'd be like, wow, that's a really good-looking man. But he's also kind of normal-looking. I think Kristen Bell is the same thing. Yeah. Super cute. Kristen yeah. Bell has like that kind of classic girl next door thing where you're like, yeah, she's super cute, but also a completely normal looking kind of super cute. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Like from from a writing standpoint and a storytelling standpoint, it bothers me that Zach doesn't. And again, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so there could be things that happen in the remainder of it that I'm just not remembering. But at least up to this point, Zach has not changed at all. He has not grown as a person or as a character. He has not put in any effort aside from showing up basically unasked to places that Lainey doesn't want him to be. Right. Like he shows up at her job. He shows up at her performance that technically he was invited to, but he was invited by Jesse. Right. Who's right. not even there. So I don't feel like it counts. He shows up at her house, not once, but twice. Right. And when she's like, go home, he's like, guess I'll play Sega with your brother. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's punching down. Yeah. And I think that the, I think Patrick and Preston in Can Hardly Wait mm-hmm. and Kenny and... I mean, to some, to some extent, Mike thinks he's punching down, but is actually punching up when he's trying to get, trying to get her back. Yeah. The problem that I think that I'm seeing is that he's still coming from a position of, look, I'm better than you, but maybe I can communicate to you the things that I'm going to expect you to do to get on my level Mm -hmm. and fall in love with me. (laughs) I can't believe I'm about to say this. But Crossroads was a better romance than She's All That. 
like from a from a purely like storytelling looking at what the characters are doing for and to one another yep crossroads was better i i i would even go so far as to say that all of the characterizations in crossroads were stronger and mm-hmm. more thought out than anyone but maybe kevin pollock who is just a i mean yeah he's, he's doing great work kind of background work it's memorable and amazing but whatever like yeah everyone in crossroads you knew what their thing was you knew mm-hmm. what a happy them was you knew what a sad them was you knew what a pissed off them was yeah and then they sort of danced with each other on a bed yeah here it kind of feel like that one moment when they're walking away from the performance and 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 uh Lainey and Zach are kind of being more buddy buddy than we were comfortable with them being right was like the most chemistry i've seen between anyone in this movie and anyone yeah, there, else these characters are all very two dimensional they are all paper dolls yeah that you have your popular boy popular romantic hero paper doll right. you have your you know not popular romantic ingenue paper doll you have your popular heroes friends paper dolls you yeah. have your ex-girlfriend paper doll like nobody has any dimension or depth they are what they they are what they say on the tin oh, and spam. Of, of spam yes yeah. they they are <laughs> bacon flavored and garlic flavored spreadable meats yeah i mean like it's not to say that there aren't good performance be performances well and that's the thing the actors are all doing and we've said this we've said this before about things that that we've watched the actors are all doing the best that they possibly can with what they're given it's just that what they're given is not as much as i think i remembered them being given I remember I remember loving this movie and I think I loved it because the performances like all of the actors are very like I, I I enjoy the performances. I find all of the actors just fun and enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But when you look at it from this granular perspective that we do on these podcasts, when it yeah. really comes down to it there's not much happening in the story. And maybe it's just because like, we've started to see Zach realize that she's a person, but we haven't seen him care that she's a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, I, you know, I would be interested to watch pretty woman again. Yeah. Kind of looking at it from the same perspective. Cause I'm trying to remember if Richard, if the, you know, Richard gear character is, Edward, I think is the name, is the same way where like he realizes she's a person, but he doesn't really grasp exactly what that means right? or what that should mean until way later in the movie than I think he should. It would be interesting to go back and watch it from that perspective, like with that lens. I think Pretty Woman is a way better facsimile, at least to My Fair Lady, because Mm -hmm. sex work is deemed a lower class sort of thing, sort of by society in general. Like selling flowers on the street? Yeah. Yeah. In a way that 
oh, she's an art freak, doesn't, who is that convincing? Who, right. like, there's not a society, like, I don't agree, but I think there's at least a societal connotation that we understand that he is coming from a place of, well, of course I'm better than you. You're a sex worker. Right. Which isn't good, but at least you understand the stakes are so incredibly low in this movie. That's Yeah, that's really what it is. For in, in Pretty Woman, there's a societal framework yeah. that, the, that the whole thing exists within. And whether or not you agree with the societal frame of sex workers are less than. Right. That doesn't change the fact that in that movie, Richard Gere's character feels that way. Right. And so for him to realize that not only is she not less than, she is a, an actual human being with feelings and she is worthy of being loved. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a lot of character growth there and he does yeah. have to do some work. You get the, you haven't seen pretty woman. I have seen, you haven't seen much all of, of pretty woman. Okay. But I don't think I've seen all of it. You get a grand gesture from him at yeah. the end that I won't spoil for anyone, James, who hasn't seen Pretty right. Woman all the way through. But there's, you know, that's like a, a major plot point in any romance is there has yeah. there needs to be like you have the breakup and then one of the characters has to realize that they did something that caused the breakup and they have to do the grand gesture of going out and doing something to get the other person's attention and say, I am going out on a limb here to show you that you are important to me. And if I recall, that doesn't happen here. So like in 10 Things I Hate About You, the grand gesture is, it seems like it would be the whole band orchestra right. thing, but that's before there's a breakup. It's at the end when he buys her the guitar. He buys her the guitar. Right? He showed. Um, there's a, there's a. I mean, it's a more complicated movie. It like yeah. there's the like he gets her out of. Um, he gets she gets him out of detention, which is sort of right. a, a reverse grand gesture kind of deal. Like it, there's a couple things going on. But that was again before the breakup happened. The big breakup happens if I recall, at prom, and then she has her breakdown when she's reading him the poem in class. And that's, she's like, what? almost at the end of the movie. Is she in detention? Why is she in detention? She's not in detention. She He's, he's in, in detention, I think... For I the, remember why. For the, he, the, 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 uh, was the it band. the orchestra thing? Yeah. I think so. So yeah, he's yeah. in detention because of something he did for her. So she comes right. in and flashes the teacher to get him out of detention. Like, to distract the teacher the so that he can escape. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that the breakup happens at prom. Right. And yeah. she, and then she, you know, they have this black moment where she's reading. And again, this, this is all just following the framework, framework of romancing right. the beat. It, these are the beats of a romance. You have your breakup. You have your dark moment where she's reading him this poem where it seems like everything is going terribly and can never possibly get back. And then he, because he is the one who screwed up, he is the one who needs to do the grand gesture. And he does that right. by 
I think the it must be the guitar. Buying the guitar. I think that there's some emotional stuff there too, but buying her the guitar is part of it. In Pretty Woman, there's he faces a big fear of his in order to right. show her that she is worth it. In right. this movie, I don't think there is I mean, maybe like the grand is gesture there a isn't even of the hacky sack thing? Is it like no. that he does hacky sack it? No, the grand gesture is that he doesn't win the bet. Spoilers for the end of this movie, but he ends up throwing the bet. Not even throwing the bet. He just doesn't, she doesn't win prom queen. And so he loses the bet. And that has nothing to do with him. If he had thrown the bet to show her that this doesn't matter, he doesn't care, it would still be a very low stake. Like... Why does why should she care if he wins the bet? Why should she care if he gets prom queen or, or prom king? But right. but the the only stake in this is this bet, which honestly isn't they don't anything to do the, with her. The stakes of the bet. There's literally no stakes. Yeah. The this movie I feel like was like okay, my fair lady, but it's high school and prom. And then they're like, hey, remember Carrie? What about Carrie? And they're like, Rob, we can't have her kill him. What are you doing? <laughs> this is like, a okay, romantic well, comedy for teenagers. Okay, but mostly mostly Carrie. And they're like, fine, mostly Carrie. And what that means is that they come out somewhere in sort of a beige. Mm-hmm. Where Because the stakes of Carrie don't make themselves evident until we are like, ah, she's... She has telekinetic powers. Right. Oh, mass murder. Oh, mass murder. Oops. Um, That's the stakes. Oopsie. <laughs> oopsie. <laughs> Carrie just flicking murder. Get uh-huh. it all out of the murder cup. Um, I mean, a little bit. That's what the movie was, though. <laughs> like, there's the like, big spill at the school, and then she leaves and starts, like, flinging cars into telephone poles, and that's the flicking of the drink. Oh, man. Oops, All Carries is one of the best shows we ever did. Yep. Um, Unabashedly obsessed also on the Scavengers Network. Go check it out. Yeah. Uh, This movie fails to grab me and pull me in because... And the thing is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and and Bianca... I can't remember what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's name is. Cameron. Cameron. It's kind of a little bit nothing-y, too. A Mm -hmm. little bit. And so I'm not interested in forget what his character's name is, for instance. Right. right. But, well, and that, I mean, uh, that's the same case in Taming of the Shrew. Sure. Catherine and Petruchio are the interesting couple. Right. Bianca and Shakespearean Cameron. His name's like Camrio or something. I don't remember. I've, right. It's been a long time since I've read Taming of the Shrew. But Rufio. they yeah, are yeah. they are there as a they're there to move along the primary plot. Sure. Right, 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 right. They are, right. And I mean, they're, they're plot I, devices. You know, I will always say that the main characters of, of things are usually boring. Like, yes. In Superman is so boring. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare is interesting because much ado about nothing, the main characters are not boring. Claudio and Hero are, are the Cameron and Bianca of. Exactly. That, like, right. they are there to move along the plot of Benedict and Beatrice. Petruchio and Kate. That's and it's kind of like they're doing a little like like prelude in front of a curtain 
And then they go off stage and the curtain opens and the actual play starts with yeah. Benedict and Beatrice, you know, giving each other shit or, you know, Cat and Patrick giving each other shit, frankly. <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> Honestly, Much Ado and Taming of the Shrew are very <laughs> similar plays. <laughs> That's where they rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard II, also very similar. Um, it's not. Yeah. Also, it's Richard III. Forget it. Stupid joke. Bad joke. Bad James. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that this movie, if, like, Preston and Jesse were a couple, or, like, I don't know, if Zach had a... If, if uh, um, Mackenzie and the Culkin, who's Simon... Simon. Were closer in age yeah, and had a thing going on that was kind of interesting, I think this movie would, would benefit greatly. Or Well, so, yeah, and part of, part of the problem, it doesn't even have to be a romantic thing. It's that... Yeah. So even it, like... There's no B-plot. There's no B-plot. Like, you look... And, and there's really no crossover between the two sides. Like, you look at Romeo and Juliet, and you've got the Capulets and you've got the Montagues and then you have Mercutio in the middle who kind of walks the line between them. Yeah. In this, you've got the Laney side and you've got the Zack side and both of them are kind of at odds with each other. Like you've, your, your Mercutios are Jesse and Mac and Simon, but they don't, there's no, it's like Zack is his own Mercutio. Yeah. You could easily do this. You could take all of the secondary characters out of this movie and have it just be Zach hired a makeup artist to come in and make Lainey ready for this party. Yeah. You don't need Mac to be his sister or in any way actually connected to him. She could be a hired person who is good at hair. You don't need Simon. That's just a little bit of extra humanization. For the movie. Frankly, I would have liked if, if Jesse did her makeup. Like Yeah, if Zach all... got Jesse on board for this, yeah. that would be good. If Jesse and Mac were also friends. That would be good too. That would be good. There needs to be some kind of crossover where yep. something is bringing the two halves together. Is Taylor and Brock supposed to be the B plot? Oh, probably. Gross. Oh. Oh, I think we've gotten, I think we dug down to the rot in the, in the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and, and so for anybody listening to us bitch about this movie for the past half hour, I don't want anyone to think that we are complaining about, like, this is what we do on this type of show. We, we get so in the weeds with it that we're going to find things that don't work. Yeah. And on the surface, I find this to be an enjoyable movie. Yeah. It's the acting is good. The interacting is bad. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, the just, you know, sitting in a movie theater, eating popcorn, you can enjoy this movie just fine. But when you actually sit and think about it in any great detail, there are other movies that do what this is trying to do better. You could make a version of this in zoom. Like, you remember how back in the pandemic, like, there was, like, that Father of the Bride movie that they made, and, like, there were a couple of, like, movies that they made and TV shows that they made, like, 
it's webcam stuff. Or yeah, whatever. I never, I didn't watch any of them, but the, I know the Father of the Bride thing was pretty good. But like, they, I, I didn't watch any of the shows. But like, this is something where I think that you probably could do a fairly faithful and perhaps maybe even better job on Zoom. Yeah. Like if Brock was just running around in the background of Taylor's Zoom while she was just being mean to Lainey. Right. That would be fine and funny and and do the same thing. Yeah. Brock leaves his square (laughs) and just like streaks past like butt naked in the background of Taylor's. Uh Uh-huh. That's I mean, that's Brock in in a in a 10 second bit. Yeah, I could I think I could reduce she's all that into a 30 minute zoom uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lainey, can I see you in a breakout? Well, and I guess, you know, I guess the problem is that it is such a classic and often told story. Yeah. That it's hard to do it in any original way that yeah. that works. Like they tried to they were like, "Oh, what if teenagers in prom?" Right. And that's such a trope. It's condescending. It's it's an it's an ageist thing. I mean, not very ageist, but it's a very like, oh, kids in their whatever. Trading places had like a racial element to it. Uh, Pretty Woman had like a sex worker element to it. Yeah. My Fair Lady had a, a class thing going on and like a regional situation, like a dialectical thing. And I think that maybe the people that were like, hey, what if My Fair Lady or Pygmalion, but in high school, were imagining it would be a lot more like Mean Girls than it turned out to be. Yeah. I'm thinking also about a Cinderella story, which was okay. a Hillary Duff. Duff and um, Chad, Chad Michael, Michael Murray? Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Which is literally the Cinderella story. But right. what if the Cinderella story, but prom? Yeah. But that works. The Cinder- Cinderella is a very similar story to this. Yeah. It's the same thing, except for he doesn't know her before prom. Right. <laughs> yeah. And well, and in a, in a Cinderella story, they are, they meet on like, a, this is you know, so early 2000s, but they meet in basically like a chat room for the college that they're going to. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Yeah. And so they're chatting, but they don't know who each other are offline. And the Cinderella thing works really well with prom because the whole buildup of the Cinderella plot is this party this right. dance. So it right. works really well where this, the whole buildup of my fair lady Pygmalion isn't like one specific event. Is it? It's Henry Higgins realizing he's an asshole. I mean, again, I and haven't, then, I haven't seen, I think I saw my fair lady like in chorus class once in middle school. I haven't read Pygmalion. So pretty woman and this movie are most of my frame of reference, but pretty woman, there's not a specific, there's like a dinner with a yeah. client, but that's just one. Uh, there's a polo match with a client. Those are just little micro events. There isn't like one big. We have to get you ready to be. The person you need to be for this big ball. It's 
I think that in that in My Fair Lady and Pygmalion and all that, the moment is is like a combination of the clueless. Wait a minute, I love Josh, like fountain right. light thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Wedding Singer, when he realizes that um, Drew Barrymore's character did something nice that he sort of shoved in her face, in her face, and he's like, "I am an asshole." Yeah, it's that those two things put together. Which is still making him about himself. Like it's right. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that's the closest to a climax, right? Where, and I think that's part of why this doesn't. It kind of doesn't feel like it works as well because there is like the big event that the whole movie is leading up to prom. With any retelling of Cinderella the whole story is leading up to the ball. Whatever type of ball it is, there's this big party. And for this, there's this story. They're they're taking this Pygmalion story and they're cramming it into a Cinderella framework. Yes. Where it almost, it would, I feel like this may actually have worked better if instead of being a bet, it had been more like a Cinderella story where... He doesn't know who it is that he is talking to. Right. Also, everybody should go watch a Cinderella story. It's a super cute movie. I I, I think when I think of a Cinderella story, I think of you. Um, yeah. I know that you, you like that one a lot. I think um, maybe some sort of misty is the one that does her makeup and like they have to get over their, their stuff because of X, Y, or Z would have been fine. Eh, you like I redemption. I want I Misty like redemption, to stay like, far, far away from Lainey. <laughs> or, or, or whatever, where like something it's like, they're like, ah, she does this thing with Misty. I mean, does it come back? Does that, does it's just Misty got hers and then that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see Misty again after this. This could be this. She's all that is basically a 1960s sitcom, but in a movie form. Yeah. Where nothing matters and it's episodic. So it kind of moves forward and there's an arc. Sure. But like the episodes could be in any order. Yeah. But not in a modular way like in Can't Hardly Wait. Right. Because those all had consequences. Yeah. I don't know. I just I'm trying to think like there had there are plenty of other people in this movie that, that they just there are so many loose ends. I think yeah. that's what it comes down to for me. There's so many loose ends. There's so few connections. Yeah. And there's only one plot that I will acknowledge as a plot that I'm supposed to care about. Right. Um. So, yeah. Hey, but I think that's it. That's the discussion I wanted to have. Um, yeah. And we've been having we it for it. 40 minutes. <laughs> and I do, I do, it. I do want to reiterate once again, we're not saying that we don't like nope. the movie. We're enjoying Watching the yeah. movie, we're enjoying doing this podcast about this movie, but there are some things that I think you and I have both been feeling kind of all along, and we've hinted at, there are things that aren't working for us, and this conversation yeah. kind of got down to, like, what are, like we know what the things are, but specifically, why are they not working? And I think it all comes yeah. down to, this was maybe not the best format for this story to be told, and also, Zach needs to do something yep zach is just existing in this space He's never in a position of weakness he's never in a powerless position yeah even in at the performance where he should be he's not right it turns out he's good at this too right 
he never falls on his face. Yeah. And you have to fall on your face. You have to fall yeah, on I your mean, face or it's not true love. Or it's not true love. Exactly. Um, I think Charlie Chaplin said that. Um, you, it, yeah, I'm, I'm so against like just shitting on movies for absolutely no reason. So yeah, if you're listening to this, please know that this isn't us being like, what garbage it's, I feel weird about this. Let's figure out yeah. why we both feel weird about this. Yeah. That's all it is. Yep. We're not like 50 and done. Like, we'll yeah. be back next week. But Oh, yeah. We're going to finish the movie. And you know what? I bet <laughs> yeah. we're going to enjoy the rest of the movie because things are going to hey. finally start going right for Lainey at some point. I'm really excited to see the the uh, comic book prequel where Usher teaches everyone a special dance payoff in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Um it was, you know that, that comic book was well worth the free that it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Social media? Want to do some, yeah, let's do some last, last social media. All right. Well, we as a podcast franchise are on Twitter at JE underscore Minute Movies. Individually, I'm at Unabashedly Aaron. I'm at Unabashed James. We are proud members of the Scavengers Network on Twitter at ScavengersNet, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash thescavengersnetwork, where for $2 a month you can get a ton of great bonus content, including maybe at some point video of me and James tasting spam. Yep. That is a that is something that in, an, in, in at least one alternate universe, if not this one, you can find on Patreon. At some point, you will definitely be able to find video of me and James tasting at least one flavor of spam. Yes, probably. For sure, definitely. For sure, definitely, probably, maybe. (laughs) For sure, definitely, at least basic spam. Probably, maybe, weird flavors of spam, too. Anyway, James, I have a question for you. Yes. Is it truck? It, you know, it, it would be. It doesn't quite stack up to truck, though. Okay, that's fair. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.